Hey everybody, it's Sam Jacobs. Welcome to the Sales Hacker Podcast. Today on the show, we've got Jason Bay. Jason is runs a company called Blissful Prospecting, and he, and he focuses a lot on how to get people's attention and how to have a meeting in a productive way. It's a really great conversation. Now, before we get there, we've got three sponsors for the show. The first is Pavilion. Pavilion is the key to getting more out of your career. Our private membership gives you access to thousands of like-minded peers, dozens of courses and schools through Pavilion University, and over 1,000 workbooks, templates, scripts, and playbooks to accelerate your development. This December, Pavilion is partnering with Ecology to try and plant 50,000 trees and try and remove some carbon from the atmosphere. For every member that joins that's referred by another member, we'll plant 250 trees per person. So help us plant 50,000 trees this holiday season and sign up using a friend's referral link. We're also brought to you by Vidyard. Vidyard is the best way to sell in a virtual world, whether you need to connect with more leads, qualify more opportunities, or close more deals. Vidyard's video messages make it easy. Record your webcam, your screen, or both to make prospecting videos, follow-ups, product demos, and other communications that drive virtual selling. Try Vidyard for free by signing up at vidyard.com forward slash free. And finally, Outreach. Outreach is the first and only engagement and intelligence platform built by revenue innovators for revenue innovators. Outreach allows you to commit to accurate sales forecasting, replace manual process with real-time guidance, and unlock actionable customer intelligence that guides you and your team to win more often. Traditional tools don't work in a hybrid sales world. Find out why Outreach is the right solution at click.outreach.io forward slash 30mpc click.outreach.io forward slash 30mpc. Now let's listen to my conversation with Jason Bay. Hey everybody, it's Sam Jacobs. Welcome to the Sales Hacker Podcast. Today on the show, we're excited to have Jason Bay. Jason is the Chief Prospecting Officer at Blissful Prospecting. He's on a mission to help reps and sales teams turn complete strangers into paying customers. A few of his clients have included reps and sales teams from companies like Zoom, CBRE, Medallia, Xfinity, Comvault, and many, many more. Sales is the only adult job he's ever had. And he's done everything from selling house painting services door-to-door, running outbound call centers to helping thousands of reps master cold outreach. Jason, welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here, Sam. So uh, as you know, as a longtime listener, uh, we start with your baseball card. So you are the chief prospecting officer at Blissful Prospecting. Tell us, what is Blissful Prospecting, sir? Yeah, it's funny. I, I know you start with the baseball card. Hopefully no one's confusing me with Jason Bay, the baseball player, because that, like, I get that all the time when I go to the airport. I'm like, I look nothing like this guy. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, fair enough. Like I'm not, I'm not but, familiar enough with all of the, okay. all of the major league baseball <laughs> players to make that confusion, but I appreciate that it happens to you. And uh, yeah. I bet you're better looking than the guy that plays baseball. Uh, maybe. I mean, he's not a super, you know, he's not Brad Pitt, you know, kind of, kind of situation, <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll take it to him. Um, Sounds good. Blissful prospecting, uh, the reason why we started Blissful Prospecting is that you, know, you guys have put data out p- at Pavilion on you know, sales development reports. Bridge Group has put it out. And you know, the kind of the big problem every year is that it gets harder and harder and harder to get the attention of our prospects. And what you see going up as well is the number of attempts that it takes to get a hold of prospects. And when we saw this problem happening, I started the company with my wife actually five years ago. Prior to that, the previous five years, I had done a lot of work in call centers. And I noticed that a lot of the you know, B2B companies I would consult with after that and the B2C companies as well is that they didn't really have a good inside sales team you know, uh, in motion, especially the, the B2B folks. 
they weren't really doing a lot of the basic things that seem pretty fundamental now, like personalizing an email, you know, not, not sounding like a robot when you call someone, prioritizing the prospect's needs and their challenges and their priorities first. And the way that we started fixing that problem was by doing appointment setting for them. So that's what we were doing five, six years ago. And in the last two or three years, we've shifted more into training and coaching, which is really more my sweet spot. What I've really enjoyed in my sales career is being a sales manager and really getting to coach and train and work hands-on and like do some of the work alongside of them. So yeah, we started working with small businesses and now we're you know, working with some of the largest SaaS companies out there, some really large professional services companies as well. And it's really all centered around how do we fix this problem of instead of attacking this problem by volume, how do we really stick out and break through the clutter in the inbox and the LinkedIn DMs over the phone, et cetera. So that's what we're up to. How big is the organization? It is me. I have a couple other coaches that help in our programs and a couple virtual assistants. That's uh, that's it. We keep it pretty lean and mean. I love it. And, and um, well, I've, I've, I mean, can we, is it okay if we dive in? I, I want to hear more about your background, but I have so many thoughts about this topic that I'm excited to chat with you. Let's let's start quickly with your background. So, how did you get into this? What's your? I mentioned in your bio that you've you know you've been in sales and kind of making money and hustling for a very long time. But where are you from? How did you know? Tell us about some of those early experiences that led you here. Yeah, so I grew up in a city called Brookings in Oregon. It's about five thousand people. It's in the very lower left hand corner of Oregon, as close as you can get to California. And when I went to college, this is in two thousand seven. I wanted to be a forensic scientist and just out of luck, someone came into my classroom and talked about an opportunity to run a house painting business to make money for schools, a large company. I won't mention the specific name, but they essentially hire college students and teach them how to run a, a house painting franchise. So I didn't know, Sam, <laughs> when I did that job and started in the spring that I would be going door to door that never registered for me. So naturally, the first thing I did, because I'm a bit of a nerd, is I bought Little Red Book of Selling because it was the best-selling sales book on the shelf at Borders or wherever it was. And I bought a house painting for Dummies book so I could understand how to talk to people about it. And long story short, I, I did really well. Um, I sold $100,000 worth of paint jobs over a four or five-month period. I made like $30,000 over the summer for school. And I was like, dude, I love sales, right? Um, and then from there... The next three years I spent as a sales manager with that company teaching, you know, fresh college students with very little sales experience, oftentimes they didn't even want to get into sales, how to go door to door. And what I found out in doing that and kind of going up the ranks with the company and eventually becoming their marketing slash sales director and building call centers for them and kind of traveling around the country training new students is that we're pretty good at this talking to people that don't know who we are thing. And I started thinking about in 2013-ish, how do I help other companies do this, especially over the phone? Because I got that call center experience for about a three-year period of you know, training reps and building teams and hiring managers and that sort of thing. And what I noticed is that, I mean, still to this day, it, so many people, there's so much reluctance to pick up the phone and call people. There's hardly any systems when it comes to outbound, most companies have a discovery framework. They know how to do demos. There's a lot of structure out there. But with outbound, the advice is always, here's a list, here's a script and some email templates, like get after it. Even companies that are using sales engagement tools provide very, very little in the way of, let's step back outside of the tactics and let's just teach our team, like what are the strategies here and what, what are kind of the why components behind how we do outbound? How do we teach this and give it the same 
you know, level of seriousness that we do when we're selling to people, you know, so that's, that's how I kind of got into, I'm happy to dig into anything more that you want, but that's, that's been my journey. Well, I, um, thank you for sharing that. My question, let's talk about outbound and let's talk about getting people's attention. What are you teaching people these days? And obviously, like many, I'm sure you hear this all the time, but as the recipient of Outbound, to your point, it feels increasingly like people are resorting to volume over thoughtfulness or personalization. And the, um, you know, I used to be, when I was a sales manager, I I was a big advocate of cold calls. I'm receiving lots of cold calls now. And they, and as much as I respect salespeople, of course I do. And I love human beings. They are just so annoying. (laughs) It feels like they're increasingly annoying. Like um, it feels more and more in the digital age, like calling somebody without a scheduled appointment is becoming, for some reason, the perception I have is more and more aggressive. Yeah. So there's a lot of, there's not like there's a gripe in there, but the, the specific question is how are, what are the best teams doing in order to really, really be good at outbounding that you see the less good teams doing or not doing? Yeah, so there's three kind of key shifts that you want to make high level, and then I'm happy to get as tactical as you want with the cold email or the cold call, all that kind of stuff. So the three shifts really center around one theme, and uh, I call it prospecting narcissism. It's a play on conversational narcissism, which... I learned from my therapist, (laughs) conversational narcissism is your tendency that when someone shares something, you know, if I share, uh, or if you shared Sam, Hey, I'm really into UFC. Are you watching the fight tomorrow? And I said, yeah, I am into UFC. And then I just start going off and completely changing the subject and making the rest of that conversation about how I'm into it and how I used to do Muay Thai and and how I love watching Conor McGregor and all this other stuff. That's called a shift response. So the shift response Um, what we need to do instead is what's called a support response. And a support response is when you share something, I lean in and think about, well, what's like, how does Sam feel about this? What is he actually interested in? What could I learn about him as a person by digging in? Did he used to do MMA? Is he really into that? Does he play sports, et cetera? And what we do in sales, the prospecting narcissism version of that is that as soon as the prospect picks up the phone, we're like, oh my God, this is one of five people that's going to pick up the phone today, or one of 20 people, actually, more realistically, I got to get my pitch out. Oh, prospect shared. Oh, yeah, we're hiring salespeople. Oh, bam. Uh, well, we can help you with training. Uh, we have a solution that can do this. It's, it's the conversation immediately flips to us and what we can do and what we can help. So the shift here is we need to be aware that our natural inclination is going to be to talk about ourselves and to make the focus of the conversation on what we can do to help them with their problem. I want to completely do a 180 there. So the three things that we need to think about are one, uh, there's this bucket, this three-part framework. The first part is identify. This is how we choose the accounts and the people we decide to reach out to. The shift and balance that we need to find is this mass blast versus quality first. And what we really need to do is think about how we segment the people that we're reaching out to. And it needs to be way deeper than we help companies with 1,000 to 5,000 employees that sell software. That's not specific enough because what you need to do is figure out what the pockets are in there and the situations that make talking about your product or service relevant for them. So an example of that is I work with a company that sells an automated welding solution. It's hardware as a service and software as a service. A trigger they know is that when companies are hiring welders, three or more welders, and they specifically have 
a uh, special skill set. I'm forgetting what the specific skill set is of welders. MIG welders is what it's called. When they're hiring MIG welders, three or more of them, and they sell, you know, one of their verticals is trailers that are 50 plus, plus feet long. That makes them a very good fit to have a conversation. So that's taking the whole land of manufacturers and I'm getting really specific into the ones that are actually hiring, that have the skill sets that they need, that actually have the parts that we could help with. Okay. With that's, for, a, that's, that's the first thing, right? Which is identification, better identification. Yep. Better identification and specifically more segmentation so that you can do volume at scale based on situations that you see your target market in. That's makes, number one. Makes a lot of sense. Number two is engage. So this is how we decide to start conversations with our prospects. That's your cold emails, your cold calls, how you sequence all that stuff. The big shift that we need to make here is we need to move from me-centric messaging to you-centric messaging. Me-centric is if you talk about your product and what it does and how much money it can save or how much it can get better results, all that stuff, you can't start the conversation with that. You need to start the conversation with the prospect. And the difference is in a cold call, when you do a permission-based opener and I say, hey, Sam, you got 30 seconds for me to tell you why I'm calling. You can let me know if you want to keep chatting. Sam says yes. If what comes out of my mouth next is, well, at Blissful Prospecting, we train companies like Zoom, Medallia, we help their SDR teams. One of our clients increased their results from 1% to 9% conversion rate. And like, no, don't do your elevator pitch there. You actually need to do a priority drop and say something like this. Hey, Sam, we're talking to a lot of VPs of manufacturing right now. And, and one thing that we're noticing is that they're having a heck of a time hiring welders. I noticed that you guys are hiring welders right now. And a really big focus is how do we get more of these people in because we're not really retaining them that well. And we're having to push back our production targets to do so. The second thing I hear is yada, yada, yada. I'm starting the cold call or that email or whatever it might be with your world first. Do you want yeah. to uh, stop after that for NCA? Like, is that something that you're having a problem with? Like to create a little bit of engagement from the, from the person answering the phone? Yeah. Is that something you're running across right now? Are you yeah. focused in those areas? Any of that kind of conversational nuance is great. And the big thing that I really believe here too, is that we actually are giving reps too many tactics. I think the tactics are great. I teach them too, how to sequence and you know little bump emails that you can use on all this other stuff. But if you don't fundamentally understand when you're talking to a VP or C level, what they tend to be focused on and what they're working on and what's going to grab their attention, it doesn't matter how many times you reach out to someone or how cool the video is that you send them. You need to demonstrate business acumen. So that's number two. Number three is create. So we have identify, engage, create. That's your ability to take a conversation and create an opportunity out of that. Typically, that involves some objection handling, which I'm happy to dig into. But really, the shift we want to make is this one from Always Be Closing, the Glengarry Glenn Ross, Alec Baldwin scene, which I, I love that movie. Really, uh, really bad example of how to do sales. You know, we need to go from Always Be Closing to Teach, Don't Take. So what I want to know as a prospect, if you're going to spend 30 minutes with me, is I don't want to just see a demo of your thing. If we use the example with the welding company... What I want to promise you in that time is we're going to talk about what other manufacturers are doing right now to deal with the labor shortage around welders. And we're going to talk about the 50-ish percent or so of your product mix that it sounds like you're having a tough time automating. That high custom, low volume product that you're building right now while you're having trouble automating it. I'm going to give you something in return for your time and share insights along with doing my demo or whatever it might be. So those are the three really big areas where when companies make those shifts, we get 
like pretty good results in a relatively quickly uh, short amount of time, excuse me, when they make these, these shifts. What's your perspective? You know, what's, what's, uh, we're recording this in December, 2021. What's your most recent take on kind of channel meaning, you know, is it omni-channel? Is it heavy on LinkedIn? Is it LinkedIn voice messages? Are there certain channels like cold calls that you're not as enthusiastic about as you used to be? What's the ideal, uh, you know, sequence, so to speak, uh, you know, from your perspective, like for today, if I wanted, I understand it's definitely going to be situational, but just generally speaking. Yeah, I use a really simple framework I call KISS, keep it simple sequencing. So I, I, I think that people actually really overthink this part. Um, the keep it simple sequencing framework is, is very simple. You're going to reach out to someone for three weeks. On week one, it's going to look like this. On day one of that sequence, let's say it's a Tuesday, I'm going to call the person, I'm going to email, and I'm going to hit them up on some sort of social channel that they're likely on, which in most cases is going to be LinkedIn. If I get their voicemail, I'm going to point the voicemail to the email. I'm going to say, hey, Sam, I just sent you an email. The subject line is invite. It's about a webinar we're do doing with XYZ competitors on how they can accomplish this. Check out the email I sent you, subject line's invite. And then what I'm going to do day three of that sequence, so on a Thursday, let's say, is I'm going to call and I'm going to bump that first email with any thoughts, question mark, Jason. And I'm going to follow that same pattern three weeks in a row. Each week is going to focus on a different topic or priority or problem. And that's it. From there, you can use that as a foundation and let the data, let your sales engagement platform tell you where you need to double down. But as far as I'm concerned, no one calls enough. No one uses the phone enough. And the recordings I do listen to when they get a prospect on the phone, they sound super nervous, unsure of themselves. They're just not comfortable talking with strangers. You know what I mean? So the phone, that's the biggest thing that people need to double down on right now. I think if you're selling to marketers and sales leaders, LinkedIn's a good channel. But my, my uh, client that sells into manufacturers, LinkedIn's not a great channel for them. I got another company that sells into clinical operations roles at medical devices companies. LinkedIn's not a great channel for them. Phone and email are like, all the way, you know, so to me, everything needs to be built around whatever you're doing over the phone. And with email, you can add on top of that. Don't take phone and email out. When you hear me say, because I'm always hyper aware, I'm, I'm always aware that sometimes people say they want something, but their actions indicate otherwise, or that they don't like something like me saying, I don't like cold calling, but the data might indicate that, well, that's great, Sam, but <laughs> it works, you know? And so when you hear me say that, and I guess I'm specifically wondering about the, the, and this is like, I gave too much money to like candidates over the, some political cycle or something like that, because like, I'm getting just flooded and, um, you know, you pick up the phone. So first of all, local presence, right? I'm in New York, I get a 917 or a 212 number and I think, oh, maybe it's something relevant. And of course there's a three second to five second, uh, silence when I pick up the phone as whatever software it is, whether it's connect and sell or something else is connecting to the call center person. And so like it immediately, it just, it just immediately is this really, really off-putting experience for me as a prospect. And so, you know, typically I hang up right away. Also, of course, it's like in the middle of the day and I, we've all got busy calendars and I got a busy calendar. And so I realize, you know, my wife's not in the hospital. It's not an emergency. It's somebody trying to sell me something and I hang up the phone and I'm, I prefer personally, I state that I prefer to you asynchronous email communication, like send me an email, I'll go to, uh, you know, if it's interesting, I'll write back. And if it's not, I won't. So when I say that, all that stuff, what's your reaction? Is it, is it, is it, that's great that 
you know, that's your point of view, Sam, but we have data that indicates cold calling is effective. Is cold calling less or more effective than it used to be? What's your take on calling? Well, my take on calling and hearing what you have to say is that you're a really good example of people have personal preferences. You know, as ironic as it might sound, I don't pick up the phone and take cold calls either, even though I teach people to do it. <laughs> it's just not a way I'm, you know, I don't think it's generational because I'm, I'm 32. I'm supposed to be, you're a youngster. You know, uh, you know, people that like to talk over the phone, I don't know, compared to people in their 20s that might want to talk through whenever social channel. The data does support it, but really anecdotally with my clients, it works too. So the way that you can think of it is like this, Sam, um, and for everyone listening is I really like uh, there's a book written by Annie Duke. It's called Thinking in Bets. And the whole philosophy around this book is how do we treat things in our personal life like it's a bet? So in poker, it's all about increasing your odds of winning and making the best of the hand that you're dealt. When I think of outbound, I think of it like this. According to Gong, the average success rate for cold calling, you have a 1% chance of a positive outcome on a cold call. And it's around Clearbit. This is a couple years old, so there might be something a little newer than this, but Clearbit, it was around 1.2 to 1.5% chance of a positive response in an email, which honestly, with the work I've seen, that, that sounds high to me. So between those two, let's call it a couple percentage point chance that there's a one or two out of 100 chance that you get a positive reply to someone. So what can you do in order to increase the odds of getting a positive reply? Well, one, you're cutting your chances in half if you don't use the phone. Two, if you're using a dialer with a three to five second delay in the beginning of it, a lot of people are going to hang up. That's decreasing your odds. If I start with an elevator pitch, if I don't use a permission-based opener, if I don't do all of these things, I'm decreasing the odds of success in a cold call. The best cold callers I've seen and personally work with, one out of three connects that they get on the cold call, they secure a meeting. And that has to also do with how good the list is, right? They're calling people that they know are good fits. So they've done the research beforehand. But to me, that's top one percenter status right there. So if one out of every three connects that you get, you can convert into a qualified meeting and actually get a sales you know, process started with, that's pretty good. So to me, it's how do we get to that from that 1% to that 33%. And if you're not using the phone, you're missing out on half of the opportunities just according to the data. So I think about it as a game of odds. And then what are all the things that we can do to stack the odds in our favor in a cold call? Researching the person beforehand, talking about them first, knowing what kind of problems they might have, being able to bring that up in the cold call, having done it enough that you're very confident, you have the conviction, you have the experience. You sound like a peer. All of those things are going to increase your chances. So I'm very bullish on the phone. And it doesn't apply across all industries, but the clients I work with sell into hospitals, manufacturing, they sell into marketing leaders, sales leaders, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, I see the phone being the most effective way to get the meeting. Well, I, I love that answer. Thoughtful and makes complete sense. You know, Annie Duke has been on this podcast talking about thinking and not thinking. Yeah. It's like one of the, she's one of the to that. go back. It's like one of the very first episodes I had her and Dan Pink. We came out of the gates with a bang back in 2018. Oh, I'm a huge fan. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that. Yeah. She's really cool. It's, it's a really cool book actually, because it's a very funny book. I, it starts off and you're like, oh, this is just like a, a way of thinking about 
probabilities. And then by the end of yeah. it, it's really like a way of thinking about your existence in the universe. It gets very metaphysical. Yeah. So it's very cool. Yeah. Okay. Last topic before we uh, ask for your influences. So I'm thinking about, you know, you're, you're out there talking to, you know, SDRs, talking to reps, talking to companies, and you probably have a point of view, not just on, you know, the framework that you listed of, uh, identify, tell me what it was again. It was, it was, uh, identify, engage, create, in, identify, engage, create, right. I'd written it down. Um, but you probably have a point of view on like, you know, what is the optimal tech stack? You know, if you're, if you're thinking about a theoretical rep that you feel is just really well positioned, has all of the tools, all of the resources, the perfect environment to do all of these things, we can name vendors if we want, but specifically like the categories, like what are the different things you have to be aware of? Is it first, I would think if you're going to be good at identifying, you need a, like a list building tool. Would you agree with that? Yeah. So I like to keep it super basic here. You need something, you know, you need sales navigator. That's a must. So sales navigator. And I want to couple that with a way to get good uh, phone numbers and emails. Do so you like zoom info you, for that or what do you use? Yeah. Zoom info is great. It's, it's really expensive, but oftentimes what I find is you got to pair two or three tools together. Interesting. And I don't think the rep should be the person doing this, by the way. Or this should be ops. This should be ops, but Sam, I mean, you probably see it too. Like every company, even the largest companies, they have these really high paid salaried employees, AEs, especially doing their own data mining. It's crazy to me, but yeah, you need sales navigator. And I want to couple that with a zoom info and then like a lead IQ or a zoom info and Apollo. Um, again, that's going to be industry context, uh, contextual too, you know, depending on who you're selling into, but I need that to engage people. I'm going to want a sales engagement platform. Your outreaches uh, are, are great. There's like simple ones like Apollo and like Outplay. If you're running a you know smaller teams, you know kind of thing might be applicable, but you can't go wrong, you know, with with any of those. And then what I want is a tool to send videos with. Oh, which, that's cool. So like Vidyard or uh, or um, you know something yeah. else. Between you and me, Sam. Uh, and the rest of you guys use the free version. The free version is great. You know, get your team doing video first and see some success before you throw down, you know, a bunch of money on getting the paid version of it. Just get them using it first. This is the free version um, specifically of Vidyard? Yep. Vidyard Drift, you know, is a great one too that I really like. So uh, I'm going to want to use those two things. And then I'm operating under the assumption that you have a CRM that integrates with these tools. So, you know, Salesforce or HubSpot or, or something like that. And then that's it. Keep, keep it super simple. Right there. That's all you need. If you're selling to publicly traded companies, I like Seeking Alpha is a great tool to do that research because you can get transcripts of their quarterly reports and earnings reports and you know their decks for those reports. I mean, there's all kinds of cool stuff that you can get there. But that and then just being really good on Google with uh, different, you know, sort of Boolean operators and things like that and ways to you know, run searches and you're good to go. Do you have a point of view on, are you like a home office person? Like do you have a point of view on the best headset, the best chair? Some people have points of view on no. those things. I mean, Jabra is probably got the best headsets. I, I don't, I just use my AirPods, honestly. Fair enough. So <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I'm, to be fair, you know, Sam, I'm not sitting Monday through Friday at my desk making calls all day. You know, so if I was doing that, I might have a more comfortable headset or something like that, that with a longer battery life, better quality, that kind of thing. But yeah, uh, I am really big on investing into things that you spend a lot of time on. 
So your chair, definitely, you know, spend two or 300 bucks and get a decent chair. If you got more money to spend than that, absolutely do it, but get a good chair, have a good ergonomic setup with your desk, something that can be standing or sitting, you know, um, get a second monitor, all of those kind of things. Like your workspace needs to be really comfortable for you to get work done. Fair enough. Something I have never, never been good at that or never done it. I'm still, I work off of a West Elm little white desk and a tiny little chair that I think is for dining room tables and not for ergonomic anything. So I'm an idiot. Uh, Jason, <laughs> last part of the show. We want to pay it for, I just did it. I just did that thing, that terrible thing. The uh, narcissistic thing where I made it about me. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? We want to pay it forward. Who are the people that have influenced you? What are the books? You mentioned Annie Duke. You mentioned Thinking in Bets. What are some other important ideas or people or concepts that you think we should be aware of? Yeah, I really like reading books that are not sales books to learn about sales. Michael Port, he wrote a book called uh, Book Yourself Solid, which I don't recommend you read necessarily unless you're a, a business owner. But the quote from that book he said something along the lines of, you know, business problems are really personal problems in disguise. 100%, I believe that. The stuff that you find yourself struggling with, so dealing with rejection in your sales life, you probably don't like getting feedback in your personal life. There's probably a connection between those two things. So I like reading stuff that's not sales oriented. A um, couple book recommendations, You're Not Listening by Katie Murphy. That was uh, assigned homework from my wife. So I, I, I recommend you read that. The other person that's had a really big impact on my life is uh, Anthony Ianarino. I consider him a mentor and he wrote uh, several books, you know, Eat Their, Eat Their Lunch, The Only Sales Guide You'll Ever Need, The Lost Art of Closing, I think was the other one. But a lesson that he shared with me, I really believe that confidence is such a key part of your success. And there isn't really a lot of stuff that you can do to like magically build your confidence. You know, there's like a script that you can like look at and just repeat to yourself. And I think everyone's kind of got their own thing, but he told me something. He said, Jason, what makes you uncomfortable in life will hold you back. And my sort of mantra after that is anything that makes me uncomfortable in my personal or professional life is a sign that I really need to lean in and explore that thing and get it to where it's not uncomfortable for me anymore. And a lot of what I've been spending time on right now, one of my one word themes, I have three of them for 2022. One of them is candor. So really exploring this idea of how can I just be way more open and transparent with everyone I engage with in my professional and personal life. So for me, that involves having hard conversations with my parents, having hard conversations with my siblings, having hard conversations with my clients and not being afraid to tell them, you know what, I think the way you have this set up is not is doing you a disservice. You're missing out on opportunities because your sales managers aren't coaching your reps on a daily basis. And I think we have a problem with this particular person, <laughs> you know, getting really specific like that and not being, being afraid to tell them that I think whatever they're doing might suck and to invite <laughs> that same feedback. You know, for me, I think that's super important. Anthony has a had a really big impact on my life with that. And then if I had to make you know, one more recommendation, because I listen to podcasts, I think the 30 Minutes to Presidents Club podcast with Nick and Armand, if you're into sales, that's a really good, you know, kind of tactical podcast to listen to that I recommend for salespeople. So I think, I think between those things, those are kind of the big influences and kind of recommendations off the top of my head that come to mind. I love it. 
And I hope everything's okay with your parents, since it sounds like you're thinking about some direct conversations with them. I understand my parents are visiting in a few minutes, actually. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to use candor. I might just swallow it um, and grin and bear it. That's just yeah. a joke. I love my parents. Um, Jason, if folks want to reach out to you, maybe they want to hire you. Maybe they want to pick your brain. What's the best way to reach you? So blissfulprospecting.com. So you're going to find a couple of things there. So one, if you're like, hey, this sounds really good. Do you got any more free stuff? Yes, we got plenty of that. Uh, there's podcasts, there's guides on how to do video prospecting. There's a reply method framework for emails of all the stuff that we didn't really get a chance to dig into a lot today. There's a bunch of stuff there. I post content every day on LinkedIn, on Outbound specifically. And then if you're a rep and you're looking to invest in yourself, we have a program called Outbound Squad. And essentially the concept here is that you know, I don't believe that to get into the top 5% of the profession that you need to consume more content. It's that you need to get better at putting that content into action. So it's coaching. There's an application-only community in there. And we have really good training content on how to do outbound. It's the same stuff I use with companies like Zoom and Medallia. So hit me up there if that's something. And then for companies too, if you have a uh, SDR team, BDR team, I'm working mostly with AE teams these days. And mixed, you know, kind of teams coming in with AEs and SDRs. But if you're looking for them to prospect more like what we talked about today, we have programs for that too. So blissfulprospecting.com is going to be the best place to, to hit me up. Sounds great. Jason, uh, thanks so much for being on the show. We're going to talk to you on Friday for Friday Fundamentals. Awesome. This is great. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. Hey everybody, Sam Jacobs, Sam's Corner. Great conversation with Jason Bay. I really think the things that he's teaching are things the world needs to needs to learn and to understand, which is that this blunt instrument, brute force approach to getting people's attention is not working. And you need to be thoughtful and you need to take the time to segment and you need to identify triggers and understand the people that you're selling to and make it about them, not you. I think that's true of so much in the world that... You got to make it about other people. It's not about you. It's not about what your product can do. It's about what their problems are, what their challenges are. And then I think, you know, the la he has this framework. He calls it identify, engage, create. But the last piece of it is teach, don't take, right? You're not trying to close. You're not trying to sell. What you're trying to do is get a meeting. And the way that you're going to get that meeting is by teaching them something and making it interesting. So uh, I thought it was a great conversation. A reminder to uh, thank our sponsors. We have three sponsors for the show. The first is Outreach, the first and only engagement and intelligence platform built by revenue innovators. Uh, the second is Pavilion. Help us plant 50,000 trees. Sign up using a friend's referral link and we'll plant 250 trees every single time. And Vidyard, the best way to sell in a virtual world, connect with more leads, qualify more opportunities or close more deals. Try Vidyard for free by signing up at vidyard.com forward slash free. Hope everybody's doing safe, having a happy holidays. I'll talk to you next time.